Good evening, everybody. This is Barbara with Can A Girl Speaks Podcast, and um, I'm so excited to be recording again on tonight. Um, I'm very excited uh, on this week because I actually had a write-up about the podcast on in our local paper, and so um, Can A Girl Speaks Podcast is on the road. That means that we are being um, getting more exposure, and um, it's uh, the podcast is growing, so I'm very excited about that. And so with that being said, um, we are still doing our COVID, um, COVID status broadcast. I'm in my residence, and my engineer is at his residence, and my guest is at, is at his residence. And we're actually trying something new. My engineer, um, Aaron, wanted to try to record, was wanting to try, try and do the recording on Zoom. So um, we're trying something new. So hopefully it'll sound a little bit more clearer. clearer. So we're going to try and see how it works out. But anyway, anyway, um, I want to welcome um, a uh, my guest on tonight in the VIP room, and he is um, new to Corsicana. Um, I got a chance to meet him and sit down and have some coffee with him, and just kind of uh, talk about um, him coming to Corsicana and why he's here. He's a pastor of um, one of our local churches, that church. And so without, and I'm going to have him introduce himself, tell a little about, about himself before we go into the conversation. So without further ado, I would like to welcome um, Pastor Jeremy Teague. He is the pastor of that church. Welcome, Pastor Teague. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Barbara. It's a privilege for me to be on the show with you. You were somebody that I was really excited to meet and, uh, and get to know. It seems like you know just about everybody around here. So uh, yeah, you, you've helped make me uh, make me feel welcome, and and my family and I were we're, we're enjoying uh, being in town. I think we've been, I think this is our fifth week since we moved up. So we're excited to be here. So Pastor Teague, tell tell the audience where where you uh, where are you derived from? Where do you where are you from? Well, uh, originally I'm from Dallas, but, uh, but I've been in Houston for the last 20 years or so. My wife and I were married there. My son was born there. It's very much home. We love H-Town, um, but uh, we're loving Corsicana too. So uh, I've heard years ago there was, a, there was an interview I read with a, an NFL coach's wife, and uh, the coach had been in several cities, and they, they, they asked her, they said, well, well, what's your favorite city? And she said, uh, this one. And they said, oh, it's the one that you're in right now. She said, no, it's, uh, or they said, it's, it's this city. She said, no, it's whatever city I'm in right now. That's my favorite place to be. She said, you know, in this kind of work, you need to, you need to learn to love where you are. So, uh, you know, so we're loving Corsicana and loving people up here and, uh, and getting to know people and making friends and uh, trying to build bridges in our community. So Corsicana, so you, so you were in Houston for a, 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 a while and so mm -hmm. that is the city. That's Houston. And so for you to come to Corsicana, it's like a lot slower. And so how did you, how did you, when you, you know, how did you, how do you feel being in a slower community? Well, first, I, I really like it. Um, for, first of all, I don't have to drive an hour to get everywhere. Um, yeah. in, in Houston, there's nothing that doesn't take at least 30 minutes to get there. So so I feel like I've had 20 hours of my week handed back to me. So, uh, so I've been really enjoying that. And, uh, 
we live right downtown, so we can walk a lot of places. We've been uh, we, we've been enjoying that, just walking the city and and exploring. We were looking. Uh, I, I saw that you posted the other night. Uh, uh, somebody's making a large statue of G.W. Jackson, and uh, we we had walked by the studio. I'd seen it through the window, and I, I guess they're gonna they're gonna bronze that. And uh, man, it looks it looks amazing. So there's so many yeah. really neat things that are going on in Corsican. I can't wait until all of the pandemic stuff goes away, and it will go away eventually, uh, so that we can really more fully explore everything and get together with people and hang out and do uh, so many of the neat things that Corsicana has to offer. So tell us about tell us about your church that that church because that that church has been around a while and um, you know, I think we talked about um, when we had a coffee was that I re I remember the one of the, the, the pastors of the church when I was uh, several several years ago he's no longer you know and I remember how energetic the church was and he was and so tell us a little bit about your church. Yeah, we're um, we're we're out here on the north uh, north side of town. Uh, we've actually had a few different names over the years, but we've been in Corsicana for 86 years. We were founded in wow. 1934 by some folks who I guess were just audacious enough in their faith to think that uh, the middle of the Great Depression was a good time to start a church. I was looking over some of our founding documents the other day. We had 96 founding members back in 1934 and uh, there's been pastors uh, since then that began with pastor grant and then pastor kirschke and and on through the years that uh, that the church has been here and experienced highs and lows right along with corsicana but we've got a great group of folks that uh, that really act like family and uh, and act like the church and uh, i'm very fortunate to follow uh, my, my predecessor is just a good godly man man of integrity and so I've uh, I've really been rotten now because I've got I've got great members I've got a great predecessor I'm so honored to be able to step into uh, what God has already been doing and doing in our community and now it's my job to find out what that is and and how we fit into it and what those next steps are to move forward. So Pastor Tig, how are you? How are you? How is your congregation? How are you handle, handling the COVID? Um, pandemic, um, because it literally, you know, I was listening to talk radio th to th this afternoon on my way home, and um, they talked about, you know, church services and how everything is so different. And so, what? How are you? How is your church, and how are you? How is you as a leader? How are you handling the 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 change? The you know the you know we've had the pivot into a different um, look mm -hmm. of church. How are you able to? How are you? How is your congregation? How are you handling this? change well it's um well it was it was definitely a challenge i think i'm one of maybe a handful of people that uh that stepped into a pastorate in the middle of a pandemic when i my first sunday here was april 26th and we had uh let me see here by then we had been in quarantine mode for about a month so my first month and a half's worth of preaching was with uh no congregation i just had a small team here that helped me stream i am beyond blessed to have folks that are willing to roll up their sleeves and uh, and serve the ministry. I'm even more blessed to have a wife who's really good at video and uh, and at doing uh, doing uh, uh, streaming and she she just she knows her stuff uh, as far as that goes. But it's uh, I think part of the challenge of it was uh, the anxiety that people feel uh, that goes with it just goes with the unknown. Uh, 
you know, doctors are studying the virus and studying its effects and studying how it works. And, and uh, you know, there's so much that's not really known and we go with the best knowledge that we have at the time. So it's taught me, uh, it's taught me once again, how much we rely on, uh, on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct. It really is his church. I just work here. Um, and, uh, uh, so, but of course our congregation had, um, you know, people have opinions and I had folks that, uh, were saying they didn't understand why it was that big of a deal and we should just never have shut down at all. And then I had other folks who said that they are not leaving the house until it's all over with. And I've got everything in between and I'll bet most other pastors would probably tell you the same thing. I've got folks all over the spectrum. So I came in and I think one of the big challenges was, is that I was faced with when we, when we were ready to return to in-person services or trying to get ready to return to in-person services, I knew I was kind of facing a decision that I wasn't going to be, somebody was not going to be pleased by the decision that I made about returning to in-person services. But um, so we were a little bit later than a lot of other churches, but I told folks, you know, look, it's not a race. We act in accordance with where our folks are at and our facilities and, you know, and then just much prayer. And so that's been, that's been the thing. And, and then I think just to uh, just try and be a calming, uh, a calming presence. There's a lot of anxiety uh, in these moments um, uh, with with the pandemic, with everything going on and people watch the news and um, I don't care what news they watch. It's just, most of it is, uh, you know, it's, I mean, I'm, I don't have anything against the news. I, I read some news myself, but sometimes it seems like everything is being typed in all caps. And uh, you know, it's like, why are you shouting at me all the time? And it just sort of feeds this uh, yeah. this sense of anxiety. So just reminding the congregation, just, you know what, we keep our eyes on Jesus. Our faith is rooted and grounded in him. And um, these things, they come and they go just like everything else does, but he really is in control of it all. Yeah, so... Your your congregation is diverse, and that that's a, that's um, that's good. You know that's good. This day and time, you know, you want to we want to create an atmosphere where there there is diversity, especially this day and time, two thousand and twenty, um, because just because everything has taken place. So, are you um, you're reaching out to different um, you know you know different races and. Um, different, um, you know, different people, and so um, has it, Have you met any challenges? You know, because of that, have you met any challenges? Well, um, yeah, I mean, we talked about we talked about you know talk you know tell the audience about you know your background where you pastored a you know a, a predominantly African American church in the L A you know L A area California. Yeah. So um, you know, kind of it's tell kind the of audience a... about that your experience. Sure. Um, yeah, it was kind of the journey that God led me on. I was twenty. I was twenty years old. My my background is is music. That's what I did uh, coming up. That's how I came up through the church. And um, I I grew up Pentecostal holiness. So uh, you know I I have a I suffer from a melanin deficiency, but um, but we did you know Milton Brunson and Hawkins and John P. Key. That was the stuff that I grew up on and cut my teeth on playing and. I was in a music store in LA, uh, just messing around with keyboards one day, 20 years old. And a lady came up to me and said, Hey, you need to come play for my church. And I said, 
great. Where's your church? And she wrote down directions for me because this was the 90s and you had to write down directions. So, um, and okay. I end up somehow or another playing for the Church of God in Christ, first jurisdiction and convention in Southern California. Now, don't be too impressed. I'm like one of 14 organists because it's like a relay race that you've got to make it through. So it takes a lot of us to do it. But um, afterwards, a, a lady came up to me and uh, said, would you be willing to talk to my pastor about being our minister of music? Uh, and I said, well, it just so happens that I need a job. So yeah, I'd be happy to. And through that, I ended up taking a job at a church that was an African-American church and learned some things that you couldn't learn anyplace else that um that just that that experience um being a white person in a black space is um is a whole different kind of learning experience but i guess i did an okay job they recommended me to one to, to another church in dallas they recommended me over to the potter's house and and now over let's see i've been basically getting my paycheck from doing ministry for 25 years well actually a little more than that now and half that time I've spent in historically African-American churches uh, wasn't what I planned on. Uh, but I'm so grateful that that's the direction that the Lord took me in. I wouldn't trade that journey for anything. The friends that I've made, the people that have become like family to me. Um, you know, when I hear the phrase Black Lives Matter, it kind of aggravates me a little bit because I think, man, my best friend Charles doesn't just matter. Um, you know, our, our friend Tiffany doesn't just matter. My friend Roderick doesn't just matter. Man, these folks are treasured and valued. And I can't imagine life without them. And, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where multiculturalism, multicultural ministry is, um, it's something we couldn't not be if we tried. Uh, God just led us on that journey. And that's the path that he took us on and put that uh, deep in our hearts, not to just be a place with a lot of different looking faces in the audience. I mean, if we were going to count multiculturalism as just having a lot of different looking kinds of people, then the movie theater is multicultural. Um, but that's just people who get together to watch a show. It's when people actually do life together and eat together and hang out together and talk and have real conversations like we're doing right now. That's that's multicultural ministry when, when everybody has a seat at the table. So since you've been here in, in within the, you know, since the George Floyd case, the incident and all that, you, you were able to um, particip participate in your, the, the past, some of the pastors here, the leaders here, they, y'all formed an organization, which was, which was a, a group of diverse group of, of, of pastors. And so, um, do you see that growing? Do you see that making an impact in our city, in Corsicana? I, cer I certainly hope so. I had, um, I had uh, some, uh, I got the opportunity to spend a little time with uh, Pastor Reddick from Second Mission last week. Great pastor, great man of God. He's doing a good work over there. And um, so we talked about some of the ways that we could start building bridges and some of the ways that we could start bringing people together and bringing people in our community together. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of the things that we're talking about, one of the unfortunate things about American culture in 2020 is so many things get politicized and become a matter of right versus left instead of right versus wrong. And uh, so I kind of stepped right into the middle of it. You know, the, the, uh, the, the sort of common, um, common sense approach to being a new pastor is 
uh, first of all, you don't change very much, you know, for your first year. Well, great. I stepped into the middle of a pandemic and we had never done web streaming or anything like that or video uh, before, um, before all of this. So I had to change a whole lot and in a hurry. And then they say, well, don't wade into controversy too soon. Well, and then you've got people being murdered on live video. And, um, yeah. you know, and it was one of those things where I just, like I said, it's a matter of right versus wrong. And my job as a pastor is to speak up for righteousness, um, not to, not, not to take sides. It's, uh, you know, the question is not whose side is the Lord on, but who's on the Lord's side. And, uh, that, that, that's where I want to be. It might, it might be risky. It might be difficult. I, you know, I was, I was like, well, I don't know whether this is, I, I hope it's not going to alienate people. I hope people hear my heart in all of this, but, uh, but at the end of the day, um, I have a boss and it's his opinion of what I do that matters most. Yes. So the challenges that um, our community and communities across the nature nation are going to be experiencing the next year or so is probably um, economic, you know, economic financial uh, uh, crisis um, just because of the pandemic. And mm -hmm. so that's, so the, so as a pastor, are you, um, you know, I guess preparing, we, we, preparing our community and giving strengthening our community knowing that they're, they're probably going to be coming to you know to you as a leader for just that help that guidance to take us through you know however long this like you said the pandemic and so how important is that to be be like to be involved in the community to help the community through this uh, that's that's an absolutely vital part of what we do. Um, if you ask if you ask any pastor um, what they what they deal with in terms of counseling, um, pretty much ninety percent of the load of what we deal with has to do with uh, either marriage or money, and the intersection of those two things. Um, so a pandemic didn't change that. Uh, that 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 kind of stays the same. Uh, pandemic and all of the results of it with people being furloughed. And we've had folks from, uh, from our church that got furloughed. We had folks from our church that, uh, that had that experienced temporary layoffs and had hours reduced and all kinds of other things. And uh, you know, what's been amazing to me though, is as I've talked to people, I remember one of our members uh, was furloughed uh, from his job and I called him up just to, just to try and encourage him and just to try and strengthen his heart. And the funny thing about it was he ended up encouraging me uh, the whole time. He, he reminded me of what I already knew, and that is that, um, that at the end of the day, it's not the economy that provides for us. It's God who's our provider. Um, I mean, during, it was at, at one point, I think, during the, uh, during the whole quarantine thing when we couldn't have public gatherings, we had our largest single Sunday offering of the year. Um, so the, the generosity and faithfulness of God's people through all of this has been amazing to me. And God honors faithfulness. It's one of the things I've learned over the years. He just always does. You can, you can absolutely count on him to do it. You can take it to the bank. And so whatever happens in the coming year, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's, there's going to be challenges, of course. But our job is to remind people, hey, look, you might have resources, but they're not your source. They're your resource. The job is resource. God is the source. 
and try and keep pointing people back to him. That's where real hope is found. Um, and then try and find practical ways to walk that out uh, here in the community. I think Corsican is a great place with a lot of potential. There's, um, you know, there, there's, there's folks, they're probably listening right now that have ideas for businesses and um, that are, that, that want to launch out and that, that God gave them a vision. They have something in their imagination that they want to do. And, uh, you know, don't, don't let this time scare you off. These things, uh, I'm kind of a history buff. And, you know, people have talked a little bit about the Spanish influence of 1918 to 1920, but they don't talk much about the cholera outbreak at the beginning of the 19th century or smallpox in the 15th, 16th century or the Black Death in 1347-48, which was as bad as it could get. But here's the thing. They all ended. And this will, too. And, um, you know, and the thing that I would encourage people to do is, look, I know that it seems like we've all been sort of put in this holding pattern. And, uh, man, I'd much rather be just sitting across the table from you over some coffee than than to be on a Zoom meeting right now. I know folks are tired of being cooped up. I'm tired of being cooped up. I'm tired of having yeah. to think about this all the time. I was already a bit of a germaphobe anyways. So basically, if most people usually operated like on a three or four, like a normal person, I was already like on an eight. So this like kind of put me on 11. I literally have not touched an object outside of my home since March. Um, but, and I know that we've kind of been in this like holding pattern thing, but, uh, but we will, we will get through this. And I think that we're stronger when we come together and get through this. This is still a good time to, to, to do stuff. This is still a good time to move out. Uh, and do the things that you have in your heart to do. And I think that so, that, that provision is going to be there when you do. So what can you say to a young person? Um, you know, we've had, you know, the class that, you know, they, they're, they're graduating with, you know, some, you know, with a lot of challenges. But what can you, what can you to our young people to encourage them, you know, being a, being a uh, pastor and a man of God, you know, how do we how do you how do you encourage them because you know they you know they're seeing all this you know unfold and so how do you bring some reassurance to them that it's going to be okay yeah i would um i i'd, I'd remind them of, uh, of a couple of things i was talking to i was talking to one of our young people who graduated from course canada high school i was talking to him down at ymca the other day and he was telling me about graduation and how different it was. And I said, well, I said, one thing's for sure. It's going to be a story to tell your grandkids about, you know, we come in on the part of the story that we come in on. Um, I, I came into all of this in 1974. And so I've seen a few things, not nearly as many things as my dad saw who came in on the story on, in 1947. But I mean, I would encourage people read deeply, read about history, read about the past, um, re read the word of God. Look at the Bible. Look at how God has dealt with people in the past. Look at how he's been faithful in the past and how he's led people through difficult times. Um, you know, sometimes there's a tendency to get caught up in the part of the story that we came in on. So I tell them this. Imagine, imagine if you were reading Lord of the Rings, uh, Tolkien's 1100 or so page masterpiece, right? That trilogy of novels that they made into the movies a few years ago. And imagine that one page got ripped out. And then imagine that one page got caught in the wind and somehow torn up and this and that and the other and landed someplace. And somebody years and years from now just found one paragraph, just one paragraph. 
and they read it. And maybe the paragraph that they stumble upon is the part where Frodo and Sam are there at the foot of Mount Doom and all looks lost and all hope is gone. And um, it looks like that death is closing in. And they say, this is the worst, most depressing thing I've ever read in my life. What's wrong with this? This is horrible. Hmm. And it would take somebody to remind them, hey, what you're reading is some sentences that are part of a paragraph, that's part of a page, that's part of a chapter, that's part of a book, that's part of a whole trilogy of books. The moment that we're living through is a piece of something a whole lot bigger. Your life is a piece of something a whole lot bigger than you. God means for you to be a part of something much bigger than you. He made us for community. He made us for one another. He made us for himself. And he's working his purpose through it all. I was telling one of my members earlier, I was telling this, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's plans that prevail through them all. And that verse has brought me a lot of comfort in this season because I had a lot of plans coming in here and not many things have gone the way I planned. But it's the Lord's plan that prevails through all of them. And he will, he will, he will continue to work in you. He'll be faithful and it'll work, it's, it'll, uh, it'll work itself out in your life, even if things aren't going quite according to the way you thought they would. Yeah. So Pastor, uh, Pastor uh, Jeremy, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I really uh, want to uh, tell you thank you again for accepting the invitation of being on Canada Girl Speaks Podcast. Um, I welcome you to First Canada. I know you're going to do a fantastic job, and like I said, you're going to help bridge the, um, you know, whatever we need bridging. You're going to bridge that and with others, you know, in our community. And so, um, just, like I said, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give a shout-out to anybody out in the listening audience. And so, go ahead and give you a little shout-out. Well, I'm not sure if who, who, all, who all that I know would be listening, but to all of the new friends that I've made in Corsicana in the last few weeks, you know who you are. If we've gotten a chance to sit down for lunch together or sit down over coffee together and talk the gospel together or play some music together, Man, thank you so much for the welcome that, uh, that, that you've given to me and my family. Um, man, we, we love this community. We see great things for the future, and we're excited to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you again, uh, Pastor Jeremy, for being on Canada Girl Speaks podcast. And um, I want to let my listening audience know, um, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, stay safe, you know, social distancing, wear your mask. But like Pastor Jeremy said, we will we will get through this. We just have to just plant our feet and just, just stay put. So thank you again so much for being on Canada Girls Speaks Podcast. And y'all have a good evening. Thanks so much for having me. Canada Girls Speaks Podcast is recorded at Shred Shed Studio. Shred Shed Studio, where you get big city production at small town prices. Recording, mixing, mastering, guitar instruction, production, and songwriting. Find out more at shredshedstudio.com or email your inquiries to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at shredshedstudio.com, the premier music studio in Corsicana, Texas.